and welcome everyone thanks for joining us on finance of jcl we've got a new series today and it's called voices of finance and i'm absolutely delighted to be joined by emily for the, the first episode uh, so perhaps emily i just hand straight over to you you could perhaps give a quick introduction to the audience yeah of course so i'm emily fleur and i'm a photographer um and i've always been really interested in business and finance and people have always viewed that as a I want to make lots of money but it's more I'm just quite genuinely interested in how it all works and how the world kind of how everything pans out and I've always just loved starting businesses and yeah seeing how all of the I'm really interested in how the finance of the world keeps the economy turning and different ways you can make money and how you can and um that's why I got really interested in stocks and shares mm. um uh, part of my business is marketing and I with that deal with a lot of different businesses and I actually feel like stocks and shares is quite a good thing to have the knowledge of just so you know how the economy is doing um but yeah cool. about me, thank you I'm interested <laughs> I'll, I'll do a quick plug for you because you've got your website, emilyfleur.com. So if people want to find out more around what you do in the photography marketing side, they can, they can head over to there. But let's let's crack on. So I've devised an icebreaker for us just to yeah. get into the flow of the conversation. It'll be relatively informal. So uh, th th don't, take it, uh, <laughs> don't take it too seriously, right? So the first question, got a quick fire, beach or couch? couch youtube or podcast youtube mortgage or rent mortgage and then apple or samsung apple Ooh. you're <laughs> doing so well to that last one <laughs> excellent right so we'll have, we'll have a finance question on the end of that so what's the first stock that you ever bought let's get into the sort of the finance side now the first stock I ever bought. So I, so I got into stocks and shares when we went into lockdown um, because all my work stopped. I was at home and I was like, "This is a really great time to." Um, and everyone was talking about the stock market and how it crashed, and that mm. made me really interested. I wanted to see what that meant. I didn't like. Yeah, you know what it means, but it doesn't you also don't? So I put two pounds on Boohoo because Boohoo absolutely crashed but I f and then it actually exploded because everyone was then going online for their clothes shopping so um yeah I only put two pounds on because I knew nothing so I wanted to just test the waters but yeah two pounds on Boohoo was my first one. You know, inadvertently you actually hit on several of the key points of investing that a lot of the books talk about, which is, well, firstly, they say don't buy something unless you understand it. So you've only got in, like, say, minimal amount because you recognise yeah. that you're new to it. So I think that's a really good thing. And there's certainly a school of thought that says when you're starting, you've got to start to get involved and also yeah. learn from books and other people. But learning for yourself is always the easiest learning, the most, the learning yeah. that goes to heart the most. So you've taken the sensible step, not just gone all in. <laughs> just dabble just to see yeah. and then you talked about macro conditions and some investors do invest on that basis so you looked ahead right this business could benefit from headwinds in the 
economy because everyone's at home and you then take that action so that's that's really cool so maybe perhaps without explicitly knowing at the time your brain was already ticking around around yeah i was gonna be quite clever with it but obviously no one actually knew what the pandemic was going to do but I was trying to be there were certain ones I bought that I was like I think this might do well or this is crashed and it will come back but obviously no one actually had a clue <laughs> yeah the, the, the other thing actually you, you're probably a bit cleverer than me and Boohoo there because if, if you look at my portfolio at the moment uh, Boohoo's probably one of my biggest losers at the moment so you if I'd done what you did and put the same amount of money in then I'd, I'd be up or at least not <laughs> as much. So uh, there's a, there's a lesson. Everyone can learn from each other, right? That's, that's the thing. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Definitely. So you, you, you sort of dabbled in Boohoo as your first stock. So mm -hmm. just a bit wider, what's your sort of general interest in sort of investing or personal finance? Um, so it's a good question and i think my interest in, my interest is i quite like looking at how it affects things so there'll be the there'll be a news report go out and you'll just see the stock market <laughs> absolutely like go one way or the other and i think that's super interesting and i think it's really good for us to have a knowledge of how different world affairs affect everything um, you can see from being involved in stocks and shares what the rest of the year is going to look like. Are we personally going to be struggling in some aspect? Um, the farm it, with farming at the moment, it's been a really um, tough year, and I know the knock-on effect is that all our food prices are going to go up. And you can see that on the stocks and shares. And I think it's really good to have a knowledge, even if it's a, only a vague knowledge, um, just for yourself. Um, and then I always just, I get really excited about how to make money. Like, <laughs> I, I genuinely get, like, I'm probably, probably a bit too into um, working out different ways. And again, I think it's not to necessarily be a millionaire or anything it's just I I find it very exciting when I work out a way that you can make 10 pounds here or there mm -hmm. um, and I'm like why has no one else worked this out I always think I've come up with a genius idea I'll run downstairs to my boyfriend I'm like oh my word this is a great idea and he's like what about this and I'm like good good point that's why no one else does it but I'm very much a person that I go with my gut whether that's good or bad, I go with it. If I think something's a good idea, I'll, I will do it. And because I just love, for me, it's not the necessarily the end goal. It's just being involved in it. And like the excitement you get from your stock going up two pounds <laughs> and being like, yeah, I did that right. Or like, I learned so much. I got, I had a, sorry, and I know you're probably, gonna ask me about this later on and we'll get into it but I had a stock get to like 700% or something which one was that it was um a cannabis company oh yeah. it was Canada legalized cannabis it went through the roof and I got so excited about watching it 
go up I didn't sell it because I thought it was so fun to watch it go up and now it's in like minus percent and <laughs> we've actually interestingly hit on probably what I think for me at least and I know a lot of other people said this but what's the hardest skill in investing in the stock market arguably it's when to sell 100 percent everyone says oh buy low sell high and that's easy to say on paper or in hindsight <laughs> so easy to say in your portfolio something that says plus 700 percent you're like well i quite like that there particularly if you can show it to other people 100%. i've kind of fallen foul of that on one or two where i've kept it in my portfolio because you, know, you do a portfolio of sharing on my channel and then it looks good to have a high percentage but actually yeah. it isn't to make money on a particular stock it's overall Mm. You grow your portfolio in actual pounds terms or whatever your currency is that's the thing that matters the most so if you have your 700 percent yeah well when do you sell because actually you know there could have been no information that suggests it was going to crash that's, that's yeah it. so and it's that, so tough so tough to know when to sell and i guess I, that was just greed coming into me because i was just like oh it might get to 800 might get to 900 like mm. I just yeah to this day I'm not why didn't I sell but um it wouldn't have made me because I only put in a small amount of money for each one mm -hmm. it wouldn't have made me millions or anything but then there's always that aspect isn't there where you're like if I had put more money into that I would have this and but that's the way it is isn't it you can't beat yourself up over things no. you didn't do because you, how are you going to know? So I think there's, there's two key things you've picked on there. One is conviction. And if you've absolutely convinced, convicted, this stock is going to do really well because the underlying business is going to improve or it's massively undervalued, then should you go more into those? Because then your reward when it comes through, hopefully, is then material to your account. So that's one thing. Um, yeah, it, it is It is a tricky one. It's definitely a tricky one to sell, though. Is there but, something that you do that you... Or is there something you... Like, for me, how do I know when to sell? What would you do in that situation? Yeah, it's a fair, it's a fair question. So I, I would probably try and go back backwards a few steps uh, and I've only learned this relatively recently just sort of managing my own portfolio which is right what's the overall objective what are you trying to do and whether that is protect your money or whether that's take an income or grow your portfolio a certain amount it could be many things for many people it's almost like write that down and then use that first of all as the, the lens by which you view your decision so when you buy or sell go to that objective and say right does this transaction align with this objective so if you're selling so buying a canada's company to start with does it make me x amount per year for example and on the selling you're just looking at the company then to say you know, has something intrinsically changed with the company so are they much better or much worse so therefore could it keep going up or might it might it drop off and then it's almost like, do you have any better ideas? There's so, there's so many different ways to be like, do you have any better ideas? So if you've got another idea, you found something that's really cheap, do you then just say, actually, I've got this one that shot up so quickly that 
why why would it go up more than seven hundred percent in a short period of time? You know, it's quite quite an outstanding amount. Do you know, just flip it out into take your profit or save and flip it out to something maybe that pays a five percent dividend or that's something that's really undervalued. And I think all that the answer to that really depends on why you bought the company in the first place, what your portfolio objective is. Uh, but also there, there's um it's a book called One Up on Wall Street from Peter Lynch, which I recommend to anyone watching or listening. And it's got those six there are six kinds of stocks. And depending on which those six types it is, will determine whether or not you buy or sell. So if you've got a, a like a, a fast grower, if it's still growing fast, then you might treat it one way. If you've got a cyclical company like an oil company when the oil price is high the share price goes up the oil price is low yeah share price is low so maybe you're at the higher end of that commodity cycle perhaps you sell that for that reason so i've answered your question in about four different ways there. <laughs> that's the thing and that how do you right know off. how do you know about so i am rubbish at knowing about companies mm-hmm. you were like is it the kind of company that's failing in one aspect or how do you know do you like google it or mm. yeah there's there's a few ways i think one of the things i haven't done well let's start off with a negative is i've got too many companies in my portfolio so it is harder to keep track of that aspect on all of them yeah. compared to if i had let's say 10. Mm, yeah 10 you might have five or ten percent of your money in each and then if you're not convinced yet that you're good enough to put that much money in each of them, you, you get it wrong, you're going to lose lose a lot more. So that, there's that aspect. But what, what I do is I've got a platform called ShareSite, which tracks mm-hmm. the kind of compound annual return, capital, dividend, and currency in all of my holdings. Oh, okay. So I can see how each of them is performing, not just on a total basis, because most platforms you go in, it says how much your price has gone up by, but it won't include yeah. dividends, and it won't do it on an annualised basis. So I'll go into ShareSite to see that, but on that website, they've actually got a sort of a subscreen under each uh, position that's like news. So any news on major sites are kind of it's aggregated. Oh, that's cool. So I can go in and look at particular stocks on a periodic basis just to see what the news is as well as understanding it, its performance. So you can look at performance too much sometimes. If you're looking at it like every day or every week, you, you're going yeah. yourself nuts because the market goes down for a few days, your portfolio will lose an amount and you'll start questioning yourself when it's just a normal movement. So over analysis is a problem. But yeah, that aggregating service, I also look at um, when I'm looking at the companies, when the earnings come, come out, then Yahoo will generally have quite a lot of links to, to news. Yeah. And then YouTube as well, um, where pe- certain people have certain positions, and then they'll they'll post reviews of it, and then okay. linked into myself because when I post review, that I have to do the research in a bit more depth before I post it. Yeah, yeah, because this has always been my issue because I go with my gut. If I think something's a good idea, I just do it, and I don't do any research, and I just go on what I think will work, which is obviously. A really bad way of doing stocks and shares. Not necessarily. I think that there's there's lot plenty of ways to skin a cat, as they say, right? So you you perhaps are a bit more of a maybe a macro investor. Just thinking out loud here, whereby you're thinking perhaps like people are locked down at home, as was the case. Therefore, certain companies, Zoom, Amazon, 
Yeah. yeah Boohoo, online risk, they'll benefit. And then you buy into yeah. the ones where you know the name. So perhaps you're buying the market yeah. leader. And it's yeah. good to buy a market leader, right? Because they're least likely to fail. They've got yeah. an advantage. And there's definitely something to that. It's one way to invest. Uh, I don't know whether it's the best way or not. If it works, it, you know, it's definitely a proper way of investing, right? Um, there's the other way, of course, is you can say, well, if you don't research companies, you might buy ETFs or funds for certain industries. You might sell banks are going to do well in this in period X. Yeah. And therefore, you just buy a, a banking ETF or fund that has loads of banks within it. So you don't need to worry okay. about research because you just buy yeah. all the banks. Yeah. If they are all going to go up, then, then you're in business. So that, that's possibly a way to do it. And of course, you could do the index as well. Uh, but then that's maybe less of a gut feel because that's just you're averaging every month. And then yeah. at the end of time, you get a nice payout, hopefully. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't necessarily worry, do yourself down, particularly if you're on a starter portfolio with small amounts for doing the gut feel thing. Mm. It depends what you want to do uh, going forward. And I should perhaps do the disclaimer for everyone listening. This is just our personal opinions, right? It's not financial advice or recommendations. Oh, yeah, do not follow my financial <laughs> advice. I just have a great time with it and see what happens. Well, then that's great. If you've got an enthusiasm to actually like look at it and be interested in it over a period of time, I, I think that's part of it. Because if you if you don't have that, then maybe you shouldn't be picking stocks, right? I would say if you get if you have an objective, whatever that may be, and just sort of it doesn't have to be particularly spectacular, like twenty percent a year, because that's very, very almost impossible to get over yeah. a long period of time. But if it was five percent a year or seven percent or somewhere in that sort of region, you could write that down and then think, right, how am I gonna do this? And then you, your gut might sort of lead you to looking at certain stocks. You might think, Oh, do you know what? You know, really bad harvest this year or food yeah. shortages probably not gonna buy stocks in a certain sector uh, but i might do in other sectors that benefit for that for instance yes so that might lead you to a group of companies then you can maybe have a look to see who the leader is so that's that's possibly one way to do it but i think with your portfolio being from what you said relatively spread with small <laughs> positions you don't yeah. need to do that research per se but as soon as you start putting decent amounts in or you you start going for that objective you then need to yeah. start thinking about perhaps being a bit more selective mm. larger amounts and that's probably when you would need to do that research because you can't get away with it no <laughs> over a long period of time unless you like you buy Berkshire Hathaway and the index or Microsoft, but even then the valuations might be expensive. So, so how do you, I use trading 212, what do you use? I've got five, oh. <laughs> four, I think. So I've got Hargley Sandstand, which was my original platform from many And what did ago. you first buy when you? Uh, Compass Group was my first. Uh, oh, okay, I've uh, got them too. I did, I did really well over that. They absolutely crashed in the pandemic because of the, well, the catering. Because that, uh, so that's when I bought them, was in the pandemic. Good time to buy, good time yeah. to buy. I had quite a good dividend off them over several years. Um, they went up a bit after a while, then I sold out of them then because I wanted to put money into something else. Obviously, yeah. it went up again a bit more, so I didn't pick the the top, but then it's, you can't beat yourself up over that because you never know yeah. the top or the bottom, right? 
but I made it a, a decent amount. It was at least fifty mm-hmm. percent. Nice. I need to I need to remember the exact figures I have to look at share site. But yeah, def, definitely made money from it over a period of time. But it could have been high. You know, at the peak, see pre-COVID, I think it was at one hundred and fifty percent, including dividends. Nice. If memory serves correctly. So, what are the other three that you've got? As in, so just yeah, just to complete your question, Harpies Landstad, that was the first one because it's very good for funds. So if you look at index funds or managed funds, they've got a very, very wide selection there. Okay. And quite a good stock selection as well. So I I started with them, but the the stock trades individually have got quite a big fee attached to them. And I was going to say, do they take, when you take money out, do they take a big fee? Like, how does that work? No, they manage to get sent to your account. There's no, no charges for anything it's dead easy i've done it a few times with them and yeah how do they make their money sorry i've got so many questions (laughs) so they have a trading fee they have a a platform fee which is capped but it will it basically is a it's like 0. something percent of your Mm -hmm. portfolio capped at uh, like 100 quid a year or something on those lines i need to check out the exact threshold okay yeah and then when you do a transaction with a foreign uh, stock they'll charge a foreign exchange fee, for example. Okay. That's probably where most of the money is. I've got interactive brokers and I join them because their transaction fee for America stocks is $1 or even less sometimes. And the range of stocks on that platform is absolutely like insanely large. Like, there's so many, you can get pretty much anything on there. So companies you can't find on normal platforms, they're on that platform. Yeah. So that, that's why I went with them. Uh, who else am I on? I've got free trade, no transaction fees, but there's a more limited uh, sort of uh, selection of stocks unless you pay to open up a wider universe. Oh, okay. So, so that, yeah, l- lower fees, lower foreign exchange fees, but then if you want like an ISA or the other wider universe, you pay yeah. a monthly fee. And I've just started to look at Invest Engine. Okay. Which is like an ETF platform. So I'm going to do a video on that scene, which is like how to register how to start with Invest Engine. So keep keep an eye out for that if you're interested. But they seem to be specialised in in ETFs, so the exchange traded funds. Okay. That's another answer to a short question. Yeah, no, it's brilliant because I feel a lot of people like the idea of getting into stocks and shares, but mm-hmm. have, like they just it, they, I think in your mind you have to have like a broker in Wall Street and mm-hmm. Like it's all that kind of, I think that's what people think in their minds. So it's like, how on earth do you get involved in it? Um, when Whereas actually there's a lot of different ways to do it, right? Like I find it very simple on my app, on my phone <laughs> to just play around with this it. This is the thing now, compared to 10 years ago, you can literally just tap it and you've done a transaction yeah. in 20 seconds. Opportunity, it's, but also yeah. a problem because you can then be like, oh, just... Yeah, that a bit of that word and you just you can over trade or it's always too easy to do it okay. and then maybe you do stuff you shouldn't do generally speaking yeah. not you specifically yeah no <laughs> but no i do think it's quite interesting how people probably don't realize it's so easy um mm. to get into but obviously yeah that does have its downsides i have to be very sensible because i'm aware i don't know what mm-hmm. i'm talking about <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what I'd, what I'd suggest for, for viewers that are or listeners that yeah, definitely. that's it. Just holding up a book, Richest Man in Babylon. I actually did a review of that the other day. 
always sets you up first of all so if you you see all my little tabs yeah i was just looking at it which interesting bits but it sets up that personal finance bit first because i reckon you shouldn't start investing until you actually sorted your personal finance side out Mm -hmm. so maybe that's high interest debts or maybe you haven't got a budget where you actually allocate pay yourself Mm -hmm. first allocate a percentage of your earnings to savings ring fence always do and then whatever's left is for your expenditures your entertainment etc yeah and once you've got that then right with that ring fence monthly money or however you do it yeah what do i want to achieve and be really clear about what you want to achieve then once you work out what you want to achieve then you can say right what's the best way to do that is it index funds ecf stocks or what do i want to learn about what have i got the time to do then once you work that out then you can pick your platform that we just talked about mm-hmm. once you work that out then you can actually start so yeah you could just like start and go and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that if you're being like once you're starting with proper amounts of money you've had a bit of a play around you work out what it's all about you need to in my view have all those yeah. steps in place to give yourself almost what you call the conditions for success so don't just go with the flow if you've got a bit of a plan even if it's high level mm-hmm. your brain kind of with the people with plans like the brain starts focusing right and you're thinking about it in those terms no definitely I think it's really interesting my um mindset's always been only invest how much you're happy to lose absolutely like that was like only invest what you can so I put in a hundred pounds. I think I put in a hundred pounds into trading two one two when I first started. Sorry, you just got out. So sure. um, looks all fine. Yeah, I put a hundred pounds into trading two one two because I was like, if I lose a hundred pounds, it doesn't affect my life. So I've always just put in how much money won't affect my life if I lose it. Like, can I still do everything? Can I still pay for everything? I've obviously got a lot of costs with the business. I employ people. I need to always make sure I'm only putting in something I can lose, mm. um, which not everyone can do because if they're actually wanting to do it, to if you're going about it to make an income, obviously you have to take be more risky than that. But um, I've slowly built it up, and obviously I've got more than a hundred pounds in it now. But that was my like mindset to start off with. I was like, how much can I live without? But it was in the pandemic. And I was a wedding photographer, so obviously I didn't actually know yeah. <laughs> what finance situation was going to be, so I didn't put in much. But, um, yeah, I think it's really interesting how people go about what they put in, especially at the beginning. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, but I think, again, you've hit on one of the key points there. Always treat it as a separate account. So if you've got your main money and day-to-day stuff, but if mm. you invest stuff, you have it over here, and pretend it's like a different person's money almost and Definitely. then it never interacts with your main stuff unless you're putting money into it and assume you can never touch it yeah and, and this is effectively what you've done you said if that all goes it's not going to impact my day-to-day or business operations no. so effectively ring fence as a separate thing entirely, yeah. which i think is is perfect that's the right thing to do because then you, you're in that mindset right i've got the separate pot of money i need to manage Mm. It's not gonna, I'm not going to have to worry about that pressure of if I don't make 10% a year, then I don't have yeah. enough income to pay the other stuff. So you haven't got that. Yeah. So then perhaps if you're getting close to retirement, then you need to start thinking about how it interacts back the other way. Yeah. So you're quite a long way from that. So <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, is there, um, is there anything that you would, sorry, I think my internet is hating life a little bit. Um, what would be like your first like go-to, if I came to you and was like, I love the idea of stocks and shares, mm. what would you, would you say go to a set, is there one platform in particular that you'd say to go to? I think it depends on what you're trying to do. So if you're doing, mm -hmm. if you just wanted to do something long term, not spend any time on it, I'd say index trackers through Hargreaves Lansdowne probably. Okay. If you wanted to get really active and say, I want to be shares here, shares there, spend a yeah. time that I might see interactive brokers. And then, if, you know, if you want ETFs, I guess in the middle to an extent, I'd say invest engine. And how are you supposed to know what? Because, like, when I, open my account it was like do you want like is it cfds is it, oh yeah yeah there's like all sorts of different how are you supposed to what's are you is it eft like what do you go to yeah i mean i don't understand cfds so i don't okay I great because when i opened the account it was like you needed to choose which one you wanted to yeah and i was like oh my god already out of my debt well, I think that's the thing, again, if, if, you, if it's a bit you don't understand, don't do it. Because a lot of these no. like training with 22, I think plus 500, even interactive brokers, you can do options, you could do CFD, you could do all sorts of other things that aren't just buying stocks and shares to put yeah. an account on ISA or a pension. Mm. So I'd certainly stick to, don't just, yeah, stick to your, your core bits about what, what you're there for. And I would certainly suggest not going into those more complex things unless you've done research or training, etc. Because I mean, I, I don't understand them, um, so I just don't think <laughs> that's that's the way I think people should think about. It. If you don't understand it, don't don't go near it. Don't touch it. Brilliant. So I've got I've got another question for you. Mm -hmm. uh, what finance or investing books have you read? I can't think of one finance or investing book I have read. I not one that I definitely would have started some. Hundred mm. percent would have started them, but I I lose interest very quickly on anything that's not. I have never picked up a finance or investing book that's it, that I was like caught my, you know, like when you can't put a book down because it's mm. so interesting. I haven't had I haven't found a book that does that for me because because of how I am I'm just like I can't just sit and read unless it's really engaging like we're very different on that like you're very intellectual and like thank you <laughs> like that side of things whereas I'm like I have to be hands-on doing it to um, is there a book in particular that you'd recommend to someone like me that would find it overwhelming to read something? I'll, I'll go for two, depending on what stage you're at. So mm -hmm. if, if you're brand new to all of this stuff, yeah. so I'll, I'll plug the, the, the Richard Man and Babel. It's literally 200 pages. And if you look at the yeah. you know, the size of the... Yeah, it doesn't look scary. Really easy read. So a few yeah. hours, you can you can smash through it. Mm. most of the good stuff probably the first two thirds of the book as well so you get the good stuff early nice yeah 
I'd say if, if you're past that, which I, I think you probably are, because it sounds like your, your budget and your finances will work in good order, etc. cetera. Uh, there's one on my bookshelf back here. It's called uh, What Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch. Can I, can you reach it? Can you, I yeah. want to see the cover. I'm a judge of book by its cover girl. Don't, don't judge my Star Wars Lego on the, the back shelf. <laughs> it's that one. One Wall Street. Okay. Because that, like, just how the guy's dressed, I'm just like. Yeah, so this, like, this guy. In over my head, like, I'm he's already. He's like, manager, really right? Which is why I dressed like that back in the day. <laughs> but he, the, the way he wrote the book is is inaccessible language. I was struck by just how, like, like conversationally normal the language was. Nice. And his credentials are he made 29% a year for something like 11 years, which is, like, insane. Oh, my word. Just the way he's, it might even mean 13, but certainly it's at least 11, just the way his fund multiplied during 29% a year. If you put that in a compound interest calculator, compare that to 14.5%, half that, it's, like, orders of magnitude higher. Mm. It's incredible. Uh, but yeah, he, he's um, he's got kind of. It doesn't get too technical. There's no like formulas or anything like that, really, mm -hmm. apart from the peg ratio, which is pretty straightforward. It's 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 very much speaking to someone as, and you can pick it up as someone that's new to stocks and shares, and you you kind of probably get it. I've read it a couple of times. I'll probably read it again. I think I want to read it every year because there's so many good points in it. Oh, right. it's a case of books like that, isn't it? I think that's why I always get overwhelmed by it. I'm like, there's so much in here. Mm. Well, this is the, the challenging thing, I think, because I've read several books on this, and see, they've all got slightly different views on things. And if you try to do everything that they all said, you just get yourself in the muddle. <laughs> uh, so that's why I think you need to have your objective. Like, what am I trying to do? How much money have I got? Yeah, I like that. So the objectives, obviously, the obvious one is make money. What would the, what would other people's, what would you say the different objectives are? So the investing objective, you need to have a time frame. So mm -hmm. how long have you got? Ideally, five, if not 10 plus years, probably 10 plus, okay. I'd go for personally. Mm -hmm. And then like, what is the money or what was it for? Is it just to make money? Is it? because you want to retire at 50 and then by saying it's 50, you want it to be X pounds because you can take 5% a year out without issues. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Is it you need to make a certain percentage a year and that kind of comes from the amount of money you need at the time, right? It's a factor of those two and then how much money you're going to put into it. So I think it needs to be very specified. Mm. Or is it like you want to protect your capital? because you've earned a load of money, just like, I just want to protect that from loss and also against inflation mm -hmm. or an income. Yeah, it, that's those are sort of things, but it just needs to be really specific. And yes, you might change it later on, but you need to have some idea of what you're aiming for and by when. And that yeah, definitely. hopefully determine then how you go about doing that. My, um, for me personally, I wanted to, I knew like, obviously I was out of money for lockdown. I wanted to earn, like, I wanted to be up like a thousand pounds. So I felt like, cause I was on my laptop and trading two and two me, like 
pretty much all day every day for like a month because I was just in my house mm. for the whole of obviously April 2020 and I wanted to make a grand so I felt like I'd earned money that month yeah um and I did that and I now feel like that was my goal so now I'm kind of a bit goalless because I'm like I just wanted to feel like I had earned a wage that month I know yeah. that sounds very strange but um that was I guess that was my goal but I didn't get like necessarily that obviously hadn't always been a long-term goal because lockdown came out of nowhere and yeah it's now gone um have you got a goal you're happy to share yeah it's my portfolio challenge it's on the youtube channel so million quid in the portfolio ideally in 30 years is it 30 33 i think yeah 33 left now 35 so in 33 years you want a million pounds in your portfolio yeah are you happy to share how much you've currently got in there yeah um as of last video let me have a check because I, I share i share the amount on the videos so i'll just open that up i think it's around about 38 in there okay thirty-eight thousand. loading up the, the spreadsheets yeah nice so it's quite a long way to go like and how much did you put in to start off with how much have you put in basically so my minimum amount is 300 pounds a month That's okay so you put 300 pounds in a month yeah uh, i started when I started the challenge about two years ago, I had a, a, about a 20,000 portfolio. So I sort of used that as as the basis. It wasn't quite okay. starting from no positions. Yeah. Probably would have done it slightly differently, but it starts with some legacy positions at 20,000, 300 pounds a month then. And then with my kind of budgeting, I say if I underspend over mm. the course of a 12 month period on certain things, like during lockdown, it's fuel, for example, yeah and on that and, and yeah. general spending because you know you're not eating out as much and all yeah. that sort of stuff i i try and put 80 percent of any underspending in a 12-month period blimey it's you are so structured on it i like, love how different we are well, that's like, cool. also similar it, we're both careful yeah 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 sorry yeah talking over you but yeah, I just I love how we're both careful, but do it so differently. Hmm. I think I think that's the thing is that there's there's so many different ways to do it. There's no one correct way. I'm not an overly sort of creative person per se, so therefore my brain's quite logical and numbers. Mm. So that's hence the the other sort of more structured approach. But actually, ideally, you have the two in tandem, right? If you've got this is why I like having these sorts of conversations because you'll have some ways of doing things that I wouldn't even think of because my brain just doesn't work in that way. Yeah, and like vice versa. Yeah. If you put the two together, you get like a super portfolio. <laughs> We're like a superhuman. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So right, just to sort of finish off the last five minutes, um, mm -hmm. I had a question written down for you, like, what's in your portfolio? Oh my god, my portfolio at the moment is terrible. So I'm normally an unpanicker. Like, like I don't really panic. But it was like a month ago. What happened? Something happened. Probably Boris affected something. 
So I sold every share that was in profit. Mm. So I now have no shares in profit. So my portfolio looks superb. <laughs> so I have ASOS, mm -hmm. um, Aston Martin. I don't even know how to say this cannabis company. Aurora. Um, BASF, Boohoo, still got my two pounds in there. Um, EasyJet, IAGSA, Meta Platforms. I'm really surprised that they're down. I thought they would just go up, but obviously, if there was a share that only went up, it it wouldn't be. What goes up must come down, they say, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, restaurant Group. Rolls Royce, Super Dry, Ted Baker, Tesco's, Tilray. Tilray are the company that got I got so high on. And now we're on like minus 46%. <laughs> Ouch. Travis Perkins, Tui, and Uber. Pretty much all of them, the ones that are left, like in here, are ones I bought in March 2020. Mm -hmm. And they have gone up, like, because everything was looking all right, like, last August, was it? Everything looked good, so I didn't sell it. And now they've all gone back down again. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you're not, you're not alone in, in that you've got market crash. Now, the UK market's gone down a bit. The bigger companies, not by much. The, the smaller companies gone down by quite a bit more, maybe like a quarter. And the US market's gone down sort of 20% from peaks. But so that's the average. Some go down more or less, depending on whether, you know, the Russia situations impacted them, mm -hmm. energy prices, then higher interest rates, inflation, potential recession. And there's just quite a lot of retail type ones in yours, like the airlines, ASOS, Boohoo, et cetera. Yeah. So these are the guys that, you know, high fuel prices are going to kill the airlines, right? Mm -hmm. And then, the re at least in the short term, and then with retail, it's hard to say, but overall it'll go down. But will people move from expensive to online cheaper, which could benefit you? Or will they just stop spending at all, which won't benefit you? But these are sort of short, medium term things. I guess you know, what, what will happen after that, we don't know because it's, it's a long term game. No. But the, it's interesting, you sold the ones in profit, so you locked in profit. So, yeah, so I have like free funds in my account. Is three thousand one hundred and seventy-seven sixty-six, and I put in. I think I've put in like two thousand seven hundred, so I'm up. And then in the portfolio is nine hundred twenty pounds. That's like, so it's like four thousand ninety-eight pounds and sixteen pence that's in all of it. But obviously, um, a grand of that is still invested in shares so a grand might disappear basically is how yeah. i view it <laughs> um but it's over so many companies that i'm just hoping that it doesn't but yeah so obviously my that's the thing so you've got lots of retail and airlines so yeah let's say we're over companies but if they're all in similar sectors as more clumping then that's that's not as diversified as you might expect no um and obviously it was that's why they're all left together. Yeah. Because I sold all the ones in profit and it's like the whole sectors that are not in profit. 
um, but hopefully they won't all die and dissolve. Um, hopefully that they will, because like with me, I'm happy to leave them in there as long as they need to be in there. Like, it's not like they need to, I don't need to sell in like a month or something, um, which obviously puts me in a better position. Um, my boyfriend, Richard also invested at the same time as I did in 2020, but he, his was to get a mortgage. So he has to sell his, okay, or his has to sell his because he had put it in there to get more money to then have more money for a mortgage or not a mortgage, a deposit. Yeah. Um, so he obviously had a timeline on his, whereas I didn't have a timeline on mine. Um, and I think that obviously affects a lot. Yeah. I suppose the, the last, the last question then would be, so you've got this cash position there. When would you deploy that cash? What's your view on that? What do you mean by deploy? Sorry. By other positions. Um, so whenever it doesn't like I'm ha I'd happily spend that this afternoon. Um, but I think what I've learned over the last two years is that I need to like think about it more if I'm going to put in because I would want to now put in bigger amounts of money because two pounds was great here and there. <laughs> but that was just for whilst I started because I wanted to make sure I understood it before I put in big amounts. And now I feel like I understand it a bit better. I'd want to put in more money into each company. So I need to make sure I've got the time at the moment. There is no time. The business is mental. Um, so I want to make sure like my headspace is like in, in it for when I put more money in. Cause I don't really have the time now to be like dabbling with five pounds here and there. You're in it no to win now. You've, you've had your yeah. place, is it there? Yeah. I've, I've played, I've worked it all out. Well, not all of it. No, no one can ever see the point out. But I've got my head around how it works anyway. Um, so I'm hoping at the end of the wedding season, I'll be able to have like more headspace to like put my mind into it. Um, but yeah, it's not that I'm afraid of spending it. It's just I now want to spend it in companies that yeah. I have looked into. And there's never a rush to buy stocks. It's one of the, the Peter Lynch and Warren Buffett things. Like people always in a rush to buy, and I've done that myself. But there's, there's no rush. You can let opportunities yeah. go past. You only just need to, when you're ready to act, act if the opportunity is right. And if you miss some, you miss some. It doesn't matter. But you, if you've missed some, you haven't bought, you haven't lost money, right? You still got no. money, so. Yeah, definitely. That's a very good point. Yeah, because I often feel like I'm not, like I'm missing those of months of, and I also feel like. You're missing opportunities because the world is in such a rubbish place there there's good opportunities there to buy whilst things are low and it's like will those opportunities still be there and the truth is there's always going to be rubbish times in the economy um there's always going to be prime ministers leaving and coming and <laughs> different things happening um i think i'm i get really interested in it around christmas just mm -hmm. to see it's really interesting how everyone suddenly thinks the economy's fine <laughs> and then after christmas and like then everyone's like oh hang on no everyone was spending money they don't have like it all seems to change a lot around each holiday season um 
but yeah, I'm looking forward to getting my head more in it. Cool. Excellent. It's probably good, good to wrap up there because you, you've broken the rules. You mentioned Christmas in July, so I think that's time to end the, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's the photographer in me. I always have to be thinking of what's happening in a few months because people are book people book up so early. Like, well, oh. What I will say is on emilyfleur.com, there's a sale on Dartmoor prints when I checked. <laughs> so if you like pictures of like Dartmoor and animals and stuff, I haven't described that very well, but check it out. They're they're, they're pretty good. I've got some postcards. <laughs> they're all right. Yeah, they're very nice. Uh, thank, you very thank you for joining me on this one. Very good. No, time. I've loved being part of it. Been the first one. Let's see who else you get on. I've got I've got at least three more lined up. So uh, see, see. Oh, I'm looking going. forward to listening to them. I'm sure they'll be um, more enlightening <laughs> than me rambling. <laughs> You weren't rambling. It was, it was, it was very in, enlightening. Perfect. Thank you cool. so much for having me on. Thanks a lot. And uh, thanks to all the viewers and listeners as well. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye.